0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
1: Do you know a student getting ready to go to college, or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College Program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit GetTocollege.org
2: to learn more.:
3: Good morning. it's 8:30 on Friday, March 3rd. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, some lawmakers say they have a path to fully fund the state's obligation to public schools. Then Selma, Alabama prepares for the 58th anniversary of the march that ended with Bloody Sunday. Plus a look at tourism in the Magnolia State and what the legislature could do to boost it. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. $3 billion. That's how much the state's public school system has been underfunded since 2008, according to the Parents' Campaign. It's been 15 years since lawmakers matched the full funding of the Mississippi Adequate Education Program, the formula established in 1997, used to determine a base student cost.
2: It's been an issue, well, for the 12 years I've been up here, uh, every time we talk about the formula, it seems like for one reason or another, uh, the flaws in the formula keep coming up as a reason, potentially not to fully fund it. It's one of many reasons. And so uh, we've been looking at that. Uh, this.
3: Republican Dennis DeBar of Leakesville chairs the Senate Education Committee. This week, he pledged to find a way to fully fund MAEP this year. But he tells our Lacey Alexander that starts with rethinking the
2: formula. Myself, lieutenant governor's office, and trying to correct and make minor technical changes to the formula that won't, you know, that everybody really can agree on, and then that way it will provide some consistency. Uh, not only on, um, <clears throat> excuse me, not only in uh, fully funding the formula this year, but provide consistency in the years going forward.
4: Gotcha. And when you say changes to the formula, what changes would you propose?
2: Well, we're still still looking at many at this point in time, um, running numbers, um, running different scenarios, um, and so I hesitate to talk about any changes that we're going to be making at this time because we're still running those numbers. We have some thoughts and ideas, and um, stay tuned because, like I said, I'm on the eighth. You know, before beforehand, those changes hopefully will be coming out.
4: And pardon my ignorance, but would this process be completed through a bill being passed, or is this a completely separate process?
2: There is currently a House bill that's been sent to the Senate Education Committee. It's got the code sections for MAEP in it. So we make the formula changes in that bill, and the appropriation or the funding for that formula would be an appropriation bill, the Education Appropriation Bill, which is also in the Senate Appropriations Committee. I think it's something that... um, People should pay attention to. Like I said, it's almost 50% of the budget, our state budget, and that this will allow each district to have more money to do the things that they have has said all along they want to do add more teachers, add more dyslexia coaches, nurses, whatever the case may be. And then, and, and, you know, I hear a lot um, from superintendents, that, you know, we want to help our bus drivers because we have a bus driver shortage. We want to help our school attendance officers, things like that, our teacher assistants. They also allow more money for each district to spend the money how they see fit and fit the needs of that district.
4: So the reason that this is a big deal and the reason that people are really celebrating that you said this is that MAP, like you said, has had issues being fully funded in the past, and you think that's because of the formula. Are there any other major reasons that MAP has struggled to see its full funding potential?
2: I think the major reason is maybe what's seen as the flaws in the formula. I don't see it. I don't think the formula is flawed. I think there's just like the medicaid tech bill we do every three years or so there's always changes that need to be made um to help update the the current economic situation where school districts are going and so that's kind of what we're doing with MAP. is we're looking at the formula i don't believe there's many changes in it i don't believe in my 12 years but even since the formula was passed potentially almost 30 years ago and so that's all we're doing is looking at updating the formula um Basically, resetting it at zero if we fully fund it this year and going forward, where um, there will be some stability in the formula, there'll be consistency consistency where it can be appropriate your money can be appropriate every year to keep it fully funded.
3: As mentioned, the chair's words have been celebrated by public school activists in Mississippi who want to see the state fulfill its obligation. This year alone, MAEP funding is nearly $280 million short of what the law stipulates. Joanne Mickens is executive director of Parents for Public Schools. She says public education in Mississippi must be given the attention it deserves.
5: We spend less per p- Per pupil than any of the states surrounding us, uh, probably about a thousand dollars less and so any time that we can fully fund MAEP, it doesn't mean that we can make up for the past underfunding, but it does mean going forward that we're getting where we need to be in order to take that next step up and become competitive with what other states around us are doing.
4: Would you mind educating our listeners on what factors go into the fact that MAEP has not been fully funded for so long? Well, I think that the
5: um, answer to that is that we haven't had uh, the funds to do so. That um, when we look at all of the calls on the budget in Mississippi, that one place that we felt that we could maybe cut some corners is in public education, to the um, which means that over the last few years um, we've been underfunded by billions of dollars. I think it's a total of three billion dollars that the schools have been underfunded. So that means that's money we're not making up. That means there are resources not being provided. There are things that we're not doing for our schools and for our children that um, that we can't make up for. And so anytime we can fully fund MAEP which, in my view, is not the level to which we should be funding <laughs> our schools, but it does mean that when we can meet the requirements of MAEP, that we're not falling farther behind. And what I hope, if we're going to um, relook at the formula, is that we're going to come up with a formula that builds in, I guess, greater equity than I see today. And by that I mean anytime you look at a state and you have some school districts that have um, maybe more than enough resources or at least the resources that they require in order to provide a world-class education as opposed to some school districts that are just struggling to get by. And if we can build in a a formula that gives, that builds an equity that those that need more get more then I think the formula is worth tweaking, yes, for sure.
4: So in your opinion, does MAEP accomplish any of that as it stands right now?
5: I think that as it stands right now, there is an attempt. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I think there is an attempt. But I do think that there is too much difference from one school district to another and that the formula is not doing a, a job, a good enough job, to address those deficiencies.
4: We talk about how education, M-A-E-P, is not the priority for funding sometimes. What conversations is it going to take? What legislation is it going to take where education is one of those big priorities that gets the funding it needs every year?
5: I think that there needs to be recognition of how absolutely essential public education is to the health of a state, to the health of communities, to the progress that we can make, Um it's just I think that what we need are the people in decision-making positions who understand that most of the children in Mississippi are educated in our public schools, and that most of the folks who are employed in Mississippi have been educated in public schools, and that if we want our state to continue to grow and prog- and make progress, we've got to give our attention to education. There's nothing more important. And I think I said years ago, um, and, of course, this is on a federal, but, but the fact is if families realize that they must advocate for that, that there shouldn't be a question, no matter who's representing them in the legislature, that they recognize public education must be given the attention that it deserves, deserves or it hurts the whole state.
4: And a follow-up question to that. Do you think a lot of these statewide conversations about funding private schools is putting that conversation on the back burner at all?
5: I won't say that it's putting it on the back burner. I do think that it creates a dichotomy that, um, that we seem to create where we're asking for a choice between putting more money over here and and putting as much as we can into public education. Public schools are available to to every Mississippian, and if you decide to make a different choice, parents are always going to make what they feel is the best choice for their children, and I have absolutely no problem with that. But if you make a choice other than the public schools, then why should public dollars go to pay for that choice? That's why we pay taxes. So one of the things we do with our taxes is to fund our public institutions, and one of the most important of those institutions is public schools. If you make another choice, then fine, but then you pay for that choice. It seems that in each legislative session there are efforts made to divert public funds to private schools. And I think we need to be aware of that as families, as parents, as, as people who care about Mississippi, and that we need to make sure that that doesn't happen.
4: Joanne, thank you.
5: Oh, Well, it's been my pleasure.
3: Joanne Mickens is Executive Director of Parents for Public Schools. Coming up, Selma, Alabama prepares for the 58th anniversary of the march known as Bloody Sunday. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From children's education to gripping drama, documentaries to comedy, MPB Television brings the world to Mississippi. With local stories, cooking, health, and music, MPB Television takes Mississippi to the world.
0: Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. This Sunday marks the 58th anniversary of the Selma to Montgomery March in Alabama that ended in what we know as Bloody Sunday. But just six weeks ago, a devastating tornado ravaged the city. Recovery efforts are still underway. WBHM's Cody Short traveled to the community to find out more about what this year's Jubilee means to residents.
0: In 1965, Annie Pearl Avery was one of the many victims of Bloody Sunday. How you doing, Miss Annie? Okay. She was arrested at the bottom of Edmund Pettus Bridge. She lives here in Selma now. She's part of the history of this town. She's someone that people see when they gather at the foot of the bridge every year during the Bridge Crossing Jubilee to remember that violence. Mother Nature Father Time,
5: too, is is having something to do with it. I'm not going to be doing as much as i used to do but i will be involved
0: (laughs) avery was in her home when a tornado tore through selma in january
5: i could see the glass when the glass and windows were breaking i could see the glass flying through the house
0: and i sit right there in one spot it wasn't hitting me i could see it though her home was severely damaged the bricks on her porch were blown off into some nearby trees her detached garage was completely destroyed And Avery says she's nervous about this year's celebration since there is still so much visible damage from the storm. There
5: needs to be uh, probably more money coming in to to help with some of this damage and stuff because FEMA's not going to do
0: everything. Selma is full of civil rights activists who participated in that March for Voting Rights. A lot of them have been doing this work their entire lives, including former Alabama State Senator Hank
1: Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) He and his
0: wife started the Jubilee 30 years ago. In his office, we're surrounded by palm trees. There are all these tall windows with lots of natural light, and it's decorated with beautiful African art. It seems so distant from the storm-damaged buildings just a few blocks away. Sanders sees a kind of spiritual symbolism in the damage.
1: It was something unique about uh, that tornado. That tornado never hit the ground. It hovered about 50 feet above the ground for 23 miles. That's why with all of the destruction you see, not one person was injured, not one life was lost.
0: He says the Jubilee weekend is an opportunity to understand and appreciate what they still have and to rebuild a beloved community. Right before we sat down, President Joe Biden announced that he'd be in town for the celebration this year.
1: If the president of the United States thinks it is important to be at the Bridge Crossing Jubilee, uh, then the tens of thousands who come will become 20s of thousands because they know how important this is. It just has, it's such powerful symbolism. Although
0: some cleanup efforts have started, there's still a lot to be done. Selma's mayor, James Perkins Jr. says some people had a hard time wrapping their minds around moving forward with the celebration this year.
1: While we are in the midst of disaster recovery, and I remind people that we have
5: um, people coming into our community from across the world, Uh, And there's nothing like laying eyes on the tragedy that we've experienced here.
0: Back in Sanders' office, he says there's an opportunity here. Usually people come to Selma for the weekend, but they don't stay in Selma.
1: They come and they have their, because it's a pilgrimage, they have their spirit renewed with the symbolism and the power of the moment. They don't even stay a night. They don't even buy a sandwich. And they this year,
0: the it. community when could really use the extra year,
1: help. Uh, cross the bridge, be renewed, share, uh, share your experiences, gather the information, get stronger, but also be a bridge to Selma.
0: For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Cody
3: Short. The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public media stations in Louisiana and Alabama. Coming up, a look at tourism in the Magnolia State and what the legislature could do to boost it. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB Think Radio. Whatever your taste.
0: News, music, storytelling, or how-to shows. Whatever your city. Natchez, Jackson, Tupelo, Cleveland. However you want. Radio, smart speaker,
3: smartphone app. MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Tourism to the Magnolia State accounted for... A 70, or rather a $7.1 billion bump, an economic bump, in 2022. That's according to the Mississippi Tourism Association. The organization shared its other data at Tourism Day at the Capitol Wednesday. Republican Senator Lydia Chassinall of Winona chairs the Tourism Committee. She tells our Lacey Alexander there is more on the legislative calendar to support efforts to attract more visitors to Mississippi.
6: Currently, we are bringing in a whole lot of money, and the money that we bring in multiplies throughout the state because of jobs, because of opportunities for people to get training. Um, We are definitely trying to promote our state in a positive way through uh, traditional tourism venues, the uh, gaming venues, and also through uh, outdoor tourism, which is sort of a new thing for us to really promote. Um, We're working closely with uh, agencies across the state, Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks, Mississippi Development Authority, Mississippi Gaming Commission. We're working with all of these people, Hotel and Hospitality Association, because in my experience, most tourists like to eat. So pardon my
4: ignorance, but were there any bills on tourism in the session this year?
6: Yeah, I've got a stack of them right here, (laughs) which I will be going over shortly to... uh, make sure that nothing gets left by the wayside. Yes, many of our our bills have to do with improving opportunities. For example, there's one bill that deals with uh, tax credits for uh, these television series and for... um, limited number, like um, Women of the Movement, which was found up in the Delta. And also, uh, we have this television program out of Laurel called Hometown, which has brought a lot of people to the state. We already have a tax credits program for filmmakers who want to come and make feature-length films, but this expands it a little bit. So that's an important bill. Uh, other, other bills that we have deal with funding different projects for the state. So, as you can see from my stack of bills, we've got a lot of them that that go pretty much across the gamut. For example, uh, one deals with festival wines permits so that you can have... um, opportunities for tourists to come for a one-day festival and serve wine. That happens, I think, at Renaissance every year, and there are other places that want to do that. Uh, we want to provide assistance for our de- de- destination marketing organizations. Those are the people where the rubber beats the road, the local offices. Um, we had a bill to designate the Mississippi Opal, which is we just found out has now been discovered down in South Mississippi, so that will become our official state gemstone. Um, also, we had some legislation to uh, establish the U.S. Mississippi U.S. Semi-Quincentennial Commission because that will be uh, coming up very soon, our 250th birthday okay. of America. So we have, now have an opportunity for Mississippi to, to participate in that. Uh, we also have oversight. Uh, we have bills that allow the Mississippi Development Authority, which is the governing branch of tourism, to require periodic reviews of the effectiveness of the advertising to make sure that we're getting the most bang for our bucks. So while we try to promote a lot of things, we also try to be careful with our money and to be self-governing.
4: We've talked about casinos. We've talked about maybe some of the beaches down south. Um, another thing I wanted to ask, you and I had a really great conversation in the elevator about college life and Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Do those big football SEC programs typically bring in some tourism dollars for you guys?
6: Well, if, if you were to speak to the mayors of the communities that host these big football game weekends, they would tell you most definitely. And uh, the other thing is, uh, we were laughing about our teams Uh it depends on uh, if you have a winning season, it's really good for the local economy. So, yes, indeed, the, the football weekends are important not only for um, Oxford, Starkville, and Hattiesburg, but also the other communities that have, have smaller colleges. They still attract a pretty good and a very fierce fan group. So, yes, it's very important.
4: Like USM, can't forget those guys.
6: Oh, Hattiesburg, I have a, my grandson's down there and having a wonderful time right now, so he's he's loving it.
4: And one last question before I let you go. Is there anything on tourism or on the subject of tourism you hope to see happen in the next session?
6: Uh, Well, just to continue to grow and to continue to expand our reach so that we offer more opportunities. Uh, It's important to me that we attract tourism venues to Mississippi. We're trying to work through um, the proper channels to improve our state parks. And uh, I've had meetings with the Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks uh, people, when we found out during COVID how important the outdoor venues were, many of our state parks need to be enhanced to be improved. And if we're able to get some funding to do that, I believe it will bring more people to Mississippi because a whole family can come and stay in one of our state park cabins for much less than it would cost to stay at a hotel. And it gives them an opportunity to really enjoy the outdoors and to have special time with their family. So that's, that's one thing I hope to work on.
3: Republican Senator Lydia Chazenol of Winona chairs the Tourism Committee. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.